From Breaking Bad to Calling Saul, agents led by Son of Call. Oh, Game of Thrones, who's the next to die? House of Cards is full of lies. Supergirl just flew on by. We're chillin', watching Netflix. How much time's gone by? We're talking TV. From suits to supernatural. Talking TV. Blacklist and the Rebels. Sherlock's Big Bang with Orphan Black. True Detective bombed at second crack. The Walking Dead. Arrow and the Flash. Get into Geek. This is Marvel TV. We're talking Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and The Gifted, uh, the third last episode of Season 1 of The Gifted coming up in the back end of this podcast. But, uh, we will be talking S.H.I.E.L.D. First of all, my name is Mitch. Joining me, as he does each and every week, Matty Gibson. Yow. Uh, I know you're excited about Gifted. We will hold off that excitement while we <laughs> delve into a little bit of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, I say hold off on the excitement because, one, you're excited to talk about Gifted, but I at least want to say from my own point of view that I wasn't necessarily excited after this episode of S.H.I.E.L.D., so... It's that weird, like, three-quarter, like, sag they seem to have. Like, they yeah. every season they start out really, really strong. And leading up to, like, the mid-season, it's always really, really strong. And then I feel like there's this fatigue mm. where they sit in where it's just kind of stretching stuff out. They did a little bit in the first half of the season. Remember when it's like yeah. we talk about they, they'd attacked um, Cassius and pretended to slit his throat and it ended up being his cheek or whatever. And it's like, you think that's going to be the big kind of crescendo? And then that was like three episodes and they're still kind of running away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like this is the same kind of thing now. It's just like, oh, really? Yeah. Is this, is this where we're at? Yeah, like I, I sat down at the end and I wrote some notes and I really only... Well, actually, no, that's not true. Sorry, I wrote notes during and then I look at them at the end of the episode and I've written, and I've written one note. And then I really <laughs> had to sort of go rewind it. you fell asleep? Of, I didn't fall asleep, but I just... I'm just like, nothing's really happening. And I know I've felt a little bit like that to a far lesser extent the last couple of weeks, but yeah, not... It's like it, it knows where it wants to go. It just... It doesn't want to get there until episode 20 or something. And yeah. so they really have to stretch out what little they have and then just throw in other stuff to try and make it interesting until we t- until we get there. Like the, the whole Gravitonium thing in this in this episode, like I'd sort of long accepted that Gravitonium I know they have mentioned it several times and it's become a bit of a thing or whatever in this season anyway, but it was long gone. It was like a season one thing. And then when they finally brought it back, yeah, it, was that like, big, oh. it was that big, like silvery ball, wasn't it? They had it like yeah. hovering and they, and it just kind of, and when with, it, the, with the fall of high, a uh, fall of shield slash Hydra. Yeah. We just assumed it went into a box somewhere and was never, yeah. never heard from or dealt with ever again. And when they first used it, it was, I almost want to say like episode three or something of this show. And it seemed like a villain of the week type thing because it was whatever guy they were fighting, he was using Gravitonium. And this was, mind you, obviously season one. This is pre the fall of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Hydra. So it was literally agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. just responding to mm. cases of the supernatural. Could it possibly have been the... Remember there was that really early episode called like 087 because mm-hmm. a 087 is a is a something odd and yeah. i always feel like gravitonium might have been like the og 087 I, I actually, from like yeah from like season one yeah without doing any research and as someone who's no shield that's listening to this was yelling at me or you sh- I, I will agree with that yeah and it just was like hey well this bad guy uses gravitonium to pull off heist like you know rob the truck or whatever mm. or, you know 
cars are lifting off the road, you know, in the middle of the day and they track him down, they find this substance and it just manages to keep coming back. But the fact that it was just thrown so much in here and then Creel dealing with the, like the voices within the Gravitonium that, again, we get a throwback to a guy that got thrown into the Gravitonium seasons ago and I'm like, why is this matter to the ongoing story of this yeah. season? It if this had happened in season two, it'd yeah. be really exciting because it'd be world building, but, yeah. but it's been so long. Yeah. It's now it's like, oh, we're going to take, it's almost like, you know, they had their 100th episode and like, okay, we're going to bring back all the things. It's going to be this whole friggin' season long montage of bringing back everything, mm. you know, and tying it up in a neat little bow. And it's like, well, life doesn't happen that way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, why are we bringing back these quote unquote greatest hits that, yeah. you know, aren't really greatest hits? Yeah. It's like, I'm not, wouldn't be surprised if next week they brought Lincoln back or something like that. And yeah. it's like, oh, guess what? He didn't die. Yep. Um, or Daisy sits there and has like this episode long, you know, flashback or walking around with her in his, in her mind. You know, we see the physical representation that he's talking to her while she's walking around the base or in the kitchen or mm. something like that. And it's like, but why? You know, to show that she's struggling? Sure. That could be a five minute scene yeah. in real time, in real world, if this was like a, maybe a 16 episode season. Yeah. You know, I don't, you don't need to necessarily have it cut down to 13, but when it's running at 22, it just, yeah, it's starting to show mm. in his back end that it's maybe just that little bit too long. And I think my biggest issue is Gemma at the moment with this stupid, we're invincible, <laughs> we can't die. <laughs> Can I? Sorry, just before you go on, my only note while mm. watching the episode was I can only imagine how pissed Maddie was getting <laughs> with all of the I can't die slash invincible chat. Only Gemma, note I made during the episode. Gemma, you're a scientist. Yeah. You believe in hard science. Yeah. You went to the future, the whole purpose being to come back to the past to change that future. So that future, if like, of course you can die. Mm. You could walk out on the street and get hit by... Like, you're not invincible. Yeah. Like, oh... Like, I get Yo-Yo believing in it because Yo-Yo is very faith. And it's like, if she has faith in something, it takes a hell of a lot for her to knock that. Her and Mac are both very faith-centric characters. And it's like, you know what? That represents a large portion of the the world. That's fine. People have their faith. We're talking hard science here. We're Mm. talking... Time travel. It's like you can't have faith in time travel <laughs> that you're not going to die when your whole purpose is to change the timeline. Yeah. Like, does like, she not sure, realise? Yeah, that it's surely like, you've got to think, if that's your plan, that everything you are doing is different than an, another version of you has done before. Like, right? You've got to, that's what you've got to have faith in. If yeah. faith in anything is in your own actions actually having some kind of effect that you this current version of you is doing something different than a previous iteration of you has done that has led to the same future that you just escaped from right and exactly and it's like if daisy is the destroyer of worlds Mm. it's like well if they were really unfeeling they could like lock her in a gas chamber room and kill her Mm -hmm. the future changes guess what Gemma? if you're in that room as well you get locked in there as well you're dying from the same gas she is yeah that's stupid that the Things of the, like, I know in the end it ended up being a ruse for Mac when they did the stupid thing with the glasses and the water and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, no, Gemma, no, it's not. And even that bugged me because that whole sort of ruse they did on Mac to get um, Fitz out of Mm. his little lock-in chamber, that relied on the fact that Fitz had to say, no, you have to let me out to do it. He couldn't just give instructions over it. It relied on the fact that he would say, no, you have to let me out, and Mac would actually let him out rather than just him giving the information through the glass. Yeah. And I'm just like, 
Really, guys? Is this what we're doing? Yeah. Re- oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a tough one. It was a really, really tough one. And then even to add to that, I guess, with they just sort of done the thing with whatever chemical it was and, and the water. And then I actually re-watched the scene when... Yo-Yo just sort of like went to grab the gun, and it was it was it was I guess it was probably a bad performance in the sense that she didn't look like she was going to grab the gun to holster it or to, you know, take the bullets out. She just sort of it like knocked it off in the most awkward way. That's of course what was going to happen was the bullet shot, and obviously them then panicking like holy crap, we could have just been killed. And she sees the bullet in between, and she's like, well, let's go, and just had this really sort of like sneer look in her face, like there's more proof that I mm. cannot die. I'm like, that's a dangerous belief to have. Yeah. Um, but. Like, based on that, like, we saw through Robin's eyes, we saw that uh, May was alive in that alternate future as well. So yeah. based on their theory, May is also invincible as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, May's not falling for that bullshit. Yeah. Like, ugh. <laughs> does my head. And then, speaking of Robin, Robin experiencing her own death as an old lady. Like. When she drew, like the fact that she's drawn it, and she so she's yeah, she's aware of it, sort of thing. Yeah, I didn't. It didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, because it's like why is she? It's like it's like the only reason she's experiencing it is because we've already experienced it. It's like I I don't understand her powers. Mm. Wasn't her father? He could see everyone's death except his own, or something like that. And then she kind of got a Maybe. mutated version of that, where she could kind of see. Not into the future, but it's like into her own future. Mm. But it's like, why is she seeing her own death now when we experienced it weeks ago? It's like, has she not experienced that at any time before now? Like you're saying it's a matter uh, of convenience from a writer to an audience that, of course, she's only experiencing that now. Yeah, I feel only because we've experienced it as a viewer, Mm. now... Robin can experience it. Yeah. But I feel like that was the one thing she couldn't see at one point. Yeah. was her own. Like, and then what? Yeah, I just, yeah, it, was, it takes relativity out of the equation. Mm. And it's like, yeah, I didn't buy it. Yes. It's, I, it's hard to articulate, but I just didn't, I didn't buy it. Yeah. It just seemed too convenient. To me, I, I to be honest, I, I didn't give it that much thought because I think I was swept up in, not so much the emotion because I weren't really going for that. I, I was just looking at one particular angle of it. And it was the fact that where the drawing that Robin had done uh, of of her own death, you know, it was there, and I think her mum must have like picked it up and went, I don't even know what this means or something, and gave it to you know, whichever the agents, and they've looked at it and they've known exactly what it is straight away. Mm. They're like, oh shit, that's when she dies and they're older, and they've went, oh okay, yeah, and they sort of like folded it away or whatever. And I think I was just like, I was thinking more about the fact that like she's just sketched her own death, which she's just had this vision of. And her mum is not aware of it. Like, it's just like that That would be the ultimate sadness for a mother yeah. if she knew what her daughter had just drawn. So I was more so thinking about it from not the mother's point of view because she was so unaware of it, but that sort of side of things. So otherwise, I didn't get the, I didn't give it as much thought as what you did. And I wish I yeah. had because I think, there was a lot more to read into, even if it was what they didn't say. Yeah, I just, it's like, well, if we, if we're going to change the future then that future for Robin doesn't exist. The Robin that we're talking to doesn't die that way. Mm. And you'd think that would take effect the moment we get back into 2018, The future sh- with the knowledge of the future, the future yeah. should automatically be different. Well, in a way for me with that is that every version of them so far, 
except for the first, if there ever was a first, but that's a whole other question, <laughs> um, is that they've always had knowledge. Like a bit like I've referenced it before, but the whole the premonition, the Sandra Bullock movie, like she's yeah. had the knowledge, so she's went out to change it. But by going out to change it, she's kind of ensured that it happened in a way, or or she's went down the very path that got her to the place where where the events happened that she that she'd seen. So it's like these guys, they're coming back with the knowledge of the future, and that's what they think is going to help them in the long run. But yesterday's version of them, or or the the previous future time traveling versions of them, also carried back the knowledge of the future mm. and nothing changed. So if 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 Gemma at all referenced that, the likes of like say Colson, you know, meeting up with Hale and Hale saying the words destroyer of worlds and Colson going, Oh shit, she's gonna turn Daisy into the destroyer. Oh no, no, this is this is the very future we're trying to like yeah. at this stage, nothing's changed in a way. Like yeah, yes I guess. in some but if if Gemma even referenced that like saying well, nothing's changed so far, so we are technically invincible because we're going down the very path that our previous selves had gone. Mm. But she hasn't referenced that. And for me, if if right now, yeah, I went back to last year, I would go, well, I now know my future. Immediately right now, I'm changing it because I'm even having thoughts run through my head that I didn't a right? year ago. You know, and, But as far as I would know, if I did it right now and I disappeared from this seat right now, I would think I was the first version of me to do that. Yeah. Or I've got to at least think that. These guys know they're not the first version. So it's like The Matrix. And I, I you know, shit cans the second and third. I don't even know what, where you stand <laughs> on that. But Neo found out he was the sixth version of himself. Mm. And every past version of himself had chosen to do a certain thing, the exact same thing. They'd all chosen the option to to save humans and save Zion and whatever, whereas he had to choose between that or saving Trinity. And he chose to save Trinity, but he he had that he carried that knowledge that he was doing everything up until that point, he was doing it exactly the same way that another version of him had mm. done in a, a, in a previous life or, or or version of the of the future or whatever. So had had Gemma at all referenced that, I'd be like, okay, your warped sense of forgetting science would make sense to me, but the fact that she hasn't, yeah, it, yeah. it is irritating. If she was caught up in emotion about it and yeah. was like really passionate, then you'd you'd buy, like it's like okay, she's she's forgetting everything that she's learnt because mm. like her gut, her gut instinct is saying like I'd buy that, yeah. But because she's just still being that cold rational Gemma that puts science first, mm. it's really hard to buy. Mm. And then Robin normally gives us a clue. With her drawings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what did her showing her own death give us? Mm. Like, if they really... Like, to me, I still maintain the greatest episode of this show to ever exist because it made me cry <laughs> was when they said goodbye to Bobby and Lance. And it was that yeah. scene in the bar with the the um, the shots, the the spies goodbye where they the unspoken, be, yeah, where they couldn't be close to their friends. Mm. I just got goosebumps thinking about <laughs> I it. I like, see your hair standing up. Yeah, yeah. I fucking... Like the way that they can do, like that that episode was so action heavy, yeah. And then they just dropped the emotion bomb right at the end, and it's like I feel like if they were really on their game, like back then, they could have done a way where it's like the episode where we actually see old Robin die. Mm. We could have been cutting to the past and seeing a young Robin drawing the picture of her of her death, yeah, and finding some kind of balance or some kind of connection between those two things. Mm would have really sort of given given the old version of her some kind of, you know, her death some kind of meaning. Yeah. But, it, yeah, I just... Again, it just feels like filler. Yeah. It just, it's just like, meh, meh, meh. 
And then so, you got, I guess, the other side of it all, where it's you are with Colson, you are with Talbot, and then all of a sudden, you know, I I don't exactly know what they were trying to do, but with Hale oh, punching offering, robots is dumb. Well, I, that that get to that, but like offering Creel to the Gravitonium at one point, and it like him become almost becoming it, and then it's like, oh, it spoke to me or whatever. But then that changes his whole outlook on working with Hale, and he doesn't really know where he sits. But you know, then Colson mm. obviously says, look, just get us out of here, and we'll sort some shit out. And it's like, okay, cool, whatever, we'll work that out. Let's get Talbot. He's still a little bit loopy, and yeah, then it just led to some. Like you said, yeah, weird shit punching robots or whatever. But then, like some, there was some really cool fight scenes to to get you know as far as the action side of this episode went. Come the end of the episode, sure, I actually didn't mind the Creel slash Ruby fight. Like for a, a tiny, tiny little blonde teenage girl, early twenties. I don't know what the actress is, but the character um, against this giant behemoth ex boxer. This guy is just like mm. human he's specimen. Taking down Daredevil's dad back yeah, in the day. Like monster of a man. Like and he's just he's he's so glistened in this scene. I don't know what they were spraying on him, but he was so shiny <laughs> and he's so ripped. And I'm like, I shouldn't believe this fight is is a fair match up between you guys. But I actually mm. got into it. I, I I bought it. But then you gotta remember that this guy can adapt to anything he touches and he chose to pick up a wooden stick to fight against a girl who had metallic blades, whether he knows that she can decapitate people, but she's yeah. going to be throwing or cutting with those things. I'm like, what? There's a lot of metal around. Maybe Guess what? If he turns to metal, those things aren't going to cut through him. Who would like, have thought? And then here's the thing, and I think this tracks back to some of my issues with a lot of the DC universe as well, because what's an episode of Marvel talk without me <laughs> bashing DC? Okay, so Talbot, Coulson, and Creel are escaping from this facility, whether it's underground or not. I don't know whatever it is. Yeah. The alarms blare. Ruby goes and gets changed into her battle gear. Yeah. I feel like that's crucial. That, and that doesn't look easy to get into. There's no. a lot of skin-tight leather there, and there's yep. layers, there's vests, and there's hoods. Someone to do up some clips at the back, you know. Right. This is all the, that's valuable time they could be escaping. Yep. Like, did she really need all that? Yeah. I mean, they didn't have weapons. She didn't need any kind of armor or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's doing that, and then she somehow manages to catch up with them. And then Carl, like Creel says he's going to buy time for Colson and Talbot to escape by like fighting her, mm. but he lets buy the two robots with guns <laughs> to continue chasing them so that he can have this one-on-one boss fight yeah. with Ruby. What a, what a mood to I'm going to fight the kid. I've yeah. got the kid. <laughs> you, guys, you guys take the robots armed with guns. Yeah. I can turn into metal and become invulnerable to bullets, but I'll take the little girl instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, really? <laughs> Really, I was like, I don't know. Although I, bef- uh, I think following the first little fight with the robots, pre-fight with Ruby, I did kind of like that he turned himself into a human defibrillator, uh, oh, defib yes. machine. Yeah, like you know, he started to become like an electrical current and then zapped Coulson. Like I'm like, well, that's cool that you can do that. That's mm. kind of fun. And he found he fought Ruby with more than a stick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Where's yeah, that know, clever thinking? You, you show this amazing move and this amazing ability and then go and pick up a stick that she then immediately cuts in half. And then you're like, yeah, no, I'm still going to stick with this whole stick Didn't thing. Didn't even at one point, like, she came to bring down her little Xenoblade mm. and he, like, grabbed it? I'm yeah. pretty sure he, like, grabbed... Why did he just absorb it right there? Don't know. Would have like, made sense, but... Did they know. run out of CGI money? Yep. I don't know. <laughs> like, and then, I mean, and uh, meanwhile, her mum has gone, like, full... Like she's not even wearing a uniform anymore. She's just like full bad guy. Hair's like, been let down too. You know? Head out all full black, and I'm yeah. like, oh okay, I guess she's wearing her villain outfit now. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Because is she still keeping like 
tabs with her actual job in the in the Air Force or whatever she's supposed to be doing? Like oh, I know that when we knows? we got the flashback when she was talking to a higher ranking um, official and they were both Hydra agents and then, you know, the likes of Talbot busted in and arrested this guy before he cyanided himself. So, and then they're like, oh, you've got a promotion or, you know, whatever. Like, I still feel like up to this point, she still got that role. Otherwise, she, would she get mm. around in that uniform? We haven't seen her go and check in. Report to anybody. Yeah. And now she's tasks. not wearing it. So she just went, no, I'm too far gone. My daughter's about to come to the Destroyer of Worlds. We're working on this little chamber of kidnapped people. We got all this shit going on. Ah, I'm finally done with that double life. Like, what? Yeah. why? Yeah, I, 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 I want to see... You know what happens, and and to reference the DC shows, you know, depending on what show you watch, maybe all of them, they kind of don't have their jobs. Like they establish, you look at Arrow, and for the first like four seasons, you know what all of them do for a day job, and then you get to like late season five, and then through a lot of season six, and they've got like twenty four seven sort of missions as their vigilante uh, alter egos. I'm like, well. Are you going to go check in with your real job that's actually paying you money to go and do this sort of stuff? Mm. We're just going to forget about that because we've known about it for five years that we're supposed to just give you a pass. I'm like, well, I kind of want to see some real world, on, yeah. you know. Mate, if you want to see some good writing like that, check out Buffy, you know. Mm. She's, she saves the world, but she's still got to have a day job. Oh. That's like a whole season arc for her, <laughs> you know. Best thing about Peter Parker, mate. Hey, he's still got a hand in homework. Boom. He can take down Doc Ock, but he's got a, a bloody biology exam due the next day. <laughs> Uh, did before we go though, it did include the best uh, line for me in a long time. Yeah. Uh, Talbot, when uh, when Coulson got brought back to life, and Talbot just looks at him and points up this finger and he goes, "You die more than anyone I've ever met before." <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I kind of like crazy Talbot, like more crazy Talbot, less normal Talbot. Yeah, awesome. Oh, actually, and just after that line, they go out and that's where they saw Ruby and the soldiers, and the soldiers going to pull out their guns, and Coulson goes, "It, it." Uh, if you're thinking of a blonde joke, this is not the time. And Talbot goes, oh, but I've got a lot. And they're like, just run. <laughs> like, what's going through his mind when that's literally, the, 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 he's, it's one thing to actually think of a joke, but when he's like, no, let me tell it. They're going <laughs> to shoot me. Now, there was one little thing I want to check with you about too. Right at the end, we see a flashback to four years ago mm. showing Rainer absorbed that rich douchey guy from, I feel like the second or third episode yeah, well, he was the guy that was uh, he was the guy that was doing all the heist with Gravitonium. Yeah, 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 yeah that's right. Oh no, 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 there's a second guy because wasn't this was a different guy? But I'm, that's what I was going to get. Is was that an actual flashback or was that new footage that we've no, seen? Th- that's what I thought when they showed that, and I thought, oh, we're going to get some context out of this scene, right? And the fact that's the guy that has disappeared, right? They're like, they're like, oh, we haven't seen him in years, and then you've got Rainer there, and I'm like, Ruth Negger's. Like, she's blown up since this show. Like, she had a good while yeah. for a little while, disappeared, come back when she went in human and she had the big, like, spiky face yeah, thing going face. on. And then she went off and she was in, uh, well, she might still be, I've never watched it, but Preacher for a little while. Uh, then she did this movie with uh, Joel Edgerton about a uh, interracial couple in, like, the 50s or 60s. Yeah, and she was just in I, something I watched the other day. And, and I, I went, can't think of what it is. But I she went, was who gonna, is that woman? And yeah. then it, it took me maybe 30 seconds. To, and I went, oh, my God, it's Raina. Yeah, yeah. It's the girl in the flower dress. I, I don't even remember what the name of the movie with, with Joel Edgerton, and I haven't seen it either, but she got, like, serious award nomination sort of talk for a lot of different, you know, uh, events. But the Oscars going into, I think last year, maybe it was even two years ago. Is it called Loving? Loving. There you go, Loving, yeah. And I, there was so much talk about her performance. And I thought, 
great. She's finally getting all this recognition because I have loved her and everything I've seen her in, as minimal as it's Ooh, been. Oh, except the thing that I just realised what I actually saw on the other day, her in. Yes. Warcraft. Oh, of course she was. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of forgettable stuff I didn't stuff make it through that, that whole movie. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't great. Yeah, I, I recorded it off TV. I DVR'd it and yeah. I was watching and I was like, oh my God, it's Raina. Yeah. Did make it through. That's no, a shame, that movie. Yeah. I'm not even a big, war- I'm not a Warcraft fan at all. I've never played the game. Don't know the history. I was just there to see a good film and it wasn't, nope. sadly. Um, but mm. we push on. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I thought the same thing. I'm like, this has to be a flashback because one, these two have obviously been it before. There's a round Gravitonium, especially him. Um, I mean, he might come back. They're not getting her back to come and make a back end cameo mm. in the like, tease to next week's episode this is yes we've done that last couple of episodes when I, the, the the um the hydra school one that i referenced oh like, and they brought it, back whitehall really or whatever it was whitehall and a lot of other little things where they do bring these characters back as if it is a comic and you're just drawing these characters i i get all that but i'm like ruth neg is not coming back like she's not jennifer lawrence or anything but surely you're not going to bring her back just for this 20 tag yeah tag scene but it had to have been a new scene because we've never seen that before. No. Nah. And if we did, why do they show it again yeah. with no new footage? Yeah, that's it. And like if why wouldn't they have shown that as like a preview if that was old footage, that would have been previously on. Yeah. So yeah, that's gotta have been new footage. And yeah. and again, if that was in season two, I'd have lost my mind. But yep. season five, I'm like, Oh, we've been through so much since then. Why do I care about yeah. that now? Yeah. Like that loose end, like I'd forgotten that that sort of guy, that douchey guy, had just kind of disappeared with yeah. no. And I liked him so much no better thing. in his tag scene because he wasn't as much of a douche as what he yeah, was. Yeah, he's the first grown as an actor probably <laughs> in five years. I've got to come back and prove myself. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see what that means. And will it only mean something as far as Gravitonium goes, or are we going to see more Ruth Neger? I. I I don't know. I'll be very interested. It'd be great to see her back. I'm just not I'm sure she'd be happy to be the case. Happy to be back without any like spines on her face. Yeah, and yeah. All, all that prosthetic. But yeah, I feel like that's that's kind of done. Mm. I'm expecting next week for like Daisy's dad to show up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go and check in him in the uh, the, the veterinary yeah. clinic. Where it's like, oh, his mum has spent the last three years unsnapping her own neck. <laughs> And she's back as well. Yeah. It's like, oh, really? Yeah. Do we really need the best hits? Yeah, then we bring back the astronaut that we'd got no closure on in that 100th episode. Oh, don't get me started on that. Yeah, yeah. Let's push on. How about Gifted? Will Gifted make you feel better? <gasps> yeah. All right, let's talk Gifted. <laughs> episode 11 of season one, three by one. Is that how you said last week that we were going to... I think so. Yeah, three, three by one. one yep. Three by one. Either way, we've got the X in there. So yep. three times one. Uh, no secrets that this is going to be about, considering the way that last week ended with uh, with Esme. Uh, hang on. Here we I, go. I Here wrote we go. Test him. Sophie and Phoebe. Boom. So we've got the first two of the five Spice Girls. Obviously, yep. the I stands for... Irma. Irma. And yep. C is... Celeste. Celeste, right. So Which we may not get. May not get, yeah. Because in some of the comics and stuff like that, uh, they are just three. They are three into Because two are killed. Yeah, okay. So I think we may just stop at the three. Yeah. Only because, and you said it yourself there, give, give me those names again. All three that we've got on screen. Yep. Esme, Sophie, and Phoebe. Right. Give me the first letter of each of their names. E and S and P? ESP. Oh. So, yeah. ah, so I'm like, this is just the way I've written it down. I hope that They specifically <laughs> did it in that order. Yeah, okay. Because uh, I think, I think, I'm pretty sure, oh, I don't know who's oldest. I think Phoebe might be oldest. 
I don't know. But mm. um, yeah, so when you cut them down from five to three, ESP. Yeah. Which is what they have. I'm glad I wrote it down in that exact way then. Well, as- and I was, I was very, uh, like I noted it, that the fact that Sage said it in that order. Mm. So I'm like, that. that's for us real nerdy nerds. Yeah, yeah, like okay. That's, yeah, yeah well, I'm down for that. We'll get to her in a second. I just want to start by with my first note was about the first thing we see in this episode. Again, more f***ed up backstories. And it's just just little things like, hey, everyday normal people stuff blinks out at the movies with uh, you know a guy or a boyfriend or something. And they come out and they're just discussing the film, reviewing the film on the walk back to the car. And then there's these people that, oh, oh hang on, they're all wearing the exact same thing. Mm. The purifiers. Full-blown KKK. Absolutely. That's what I was saying. AKA KKK in my notes. <laughs> and the, yeah, they're like, we don't want your kind. And I'm like, look, how good, like someone saw you go in. I'm like, how good are their eyes? Because the only thing that gives her away is her eyes. But that could just be a normal birth defect. Yes, a mutation. Yeah. But still, it doesn't mean she's got powers. That she's like, like she always covers her ears. So yeah. You can't see her ears. What's little, going on with her ears? She's got little pixie ears, little vulcan ears that come to a point. Oh, really? Yeah. See, I've never noticed it. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, and then she doesn't get that thing over her eye until she gets sick in like episode two. Yeah. Like, so that's in current timeline. So back then it's really just, and her complexion's not over, in, in the comics, Pink, uh, Blink is pink. Like she has this oh, right. sort of really pink fuchsia skin. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's portrayed as almost like furry, and other times it's just kind of skin. Yeah. Is she Asian in the um, comics as well? No, I okay. think that's something they did for um, Days of Future Past yeah. because it's Clarice is definitely her name, and I want to say it was Clarice like Feldman or something like yeah, that. Okay. And they changed it to Clarice Fong mm. for um, Days of Future Past. Yeah. And then they've made this link, uh, Clarice Fong, as well. They've gone with the Asian um, heritage. For whatever reason, it just reminded me of, uh, obviously, um, Titans uh, have debuted, uh, at least in America, on the, on the oh, DC yes, with um, Starfire. Universe. But Starfire, and they're like, people come out going, you've cast a black actress as her. It's like, uh, yeah, she's uh, playing a she's green a- alien. What difference does it make of getting it? What human actor yeah. will play her? You f- Oh my god, her orange hair isn't wavy like Starfire's. <laughs> it's black curls. Curses! Oh, how dare Curses. you? Curses! How dare there be black people in space? But <laughs> we've seen Star Wars. There's only one at a time. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's just, oh, I mean, like, just again, infuriating scenes where she can't even go to the movies. And then I'm like, oh man, are they actually going to, like, scare her boyfriend off or have her boyfriend not stand up for her to the Mm. point where she's going to run away and it was kind of somewhere in the middle where he was like he encouraged her to get out of there he didn't run away with her but he was like you need you need to go yeah he didn't fully turn on her yeah but yeah, he 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 wimped out. Yeah, a little that bit. Was, that was pretty gutless what he did. And I, I would have said if that wouldn't have been in a time when her, her mutation was already present, that could have been something that brought out her mutation because as she ran, like she was so emotionally scarred by that. Like it had yeah. just happened to her. It was like a 10 second ordeal. But you could see how that affected her. I don't know if it was a slow-mo runaway or just as she left the car park on foot. I thought that Jamie Chung did a really good performance job, in that one job. shot. I just thought, wow. And it, it really made me think too. It's like the fact that the, the brazenness of these purifiers, they don't know what kind of ability she had. No. Imagine if they did it to Cyclops and he could have just mowed them all down with one blast of his eyes. Yeah. Like they burnt out her car. They like threw a flaming torch into her car. Yeah, like yeah. imagine if you or I like just, you know, came out of the movies and there was just a bunch of dudes that decided they were going to burn out our cars. How pissed would we be? Uh. Just on that front, not alone the hating you for the way you were born. Yeah. Like, I was just like, what the hell? And it's like, so that, I think that really shows 
really cleverly that the how how much how hated mutants are mm. that this group of guys and they weren't even like holding I think there's a couple like maybe baseball bats and and he was obviously holding the flaming torch but there was nothing more than that like in terms of weaponry yeah it's just they were confident enough just with with group peer pressure yeah. like social pressure to get her to get out of town she doesn't belong there we don't want your kind here without even knowing what her abilities are yeah which like, is cool that like you were saying a few uh, episodes ago there was a moment where Andy run into like a bigger guy in the uh, Mutant Underground, their little base. Mm. They almost got into fisticuffs, but then the bigger guy kind of like stepped back a little bit. Like it's, it's when it's mutants, it's got nothing to do with physical size because you don't know what they're capable of. And that exactly. guy kind of knew that. He's like, I've heard some rumors about this guy. He is littler than me. He's younger than me. He looks physically weaker than me, but that doesn't mean that I can't get my ass whooped by this guy. Whereas you're right with this, like they they don't know whether she can you know create flowers or whether she goes nuclear. Like right, it she just, could have she have a touch that turns them to acid, like acidic yeah. touch that melts their faces. Yeah. Like <laughs> she could have a sonic cry that deafens them. Like you know, yeah. it's just another reason. It's like oh, that's why they're the next step in the evolutionary process is that we haven't even like conceived yeah. of the idea that just because she is this you know tiny little woman and these are like big burly tough blokes and we're yelling at you and burning your car that doesn't make you stronger than that person yeah and the irony i really love the way they subtly did it but one of the purifiers was was a black guy yeah and it's like the you fact said that, that in was... episode three as well like when they bust right, into the, um, the, group the uncle's on the, house on the front on the front porch it's like so clever that it's just like they don't see the irony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not just a bunch of white guys. It's just showing that it's really like humans v. mutants. Yeah. I found that really interesting. Yeah. Um, I do want to test your knowledge, though, because mm-hmm. uh, I noticed something. This is probably something that the, the geek in you would really, really love, is it did say it was two years ago when Blink was at the movies. And mm-hmm. I paused it to have a look at the movie what titles. showing? That okay. There. So there was Hitman Agent 47. Yeah. Maze Runner. Yeah. Longest Ride, yeah, and Xenomorph. Now, is okay. that a is that a play on Aliens, or was there actually a movie called Xenomorph? There wasn't, but I don't even think there wouldn't have been an alien movie out at that time because yeah. Covenant was out last year, twenty seventeen, and uh, Prometheus I think was twenty it was twenty twelve, right? Because I remember my pregnant wife, I took her to, to the screening. <laughs> oh, that's like, good. She was fairly pregnant, like you know, six months, seven months pregnant, and then there was that great like stomach busting scene in the middle of Prometheus, and she turned to me and goes, "What the Brilliant. have you brought me to?" I'll have to show you the um. Uh, the Facebook post I saw the other day, and it's this couple have done this like uh, wedding slash pregnancy kind of photos. So yeah. they're all out in the field and daisies and stuff like that. And as the story goes along, she has a chest buster burst out of her pregnant stomach. Yeah. And then like they're nursing it like a baby, like covered in blood. <laughs> yeah. like, it's it's pretty amazing. Without looking it up, I would say that the Maze Runner came out in 2014. Yeah, I'm and, pretty sure. I think the sequel, Scorch Trials, was 2016. The third film was supposed to be 2017. The actor got injured and it just came out this year. That's right. But Longest Ride, what else was up there? The th- uh, Hitman, Agent yeah, 47. I did see that in cinemas. My thought is... Are they all Fox movies as well, or are they... You're goddamn right they are. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that cinema was only showing Fox films. Yeah. See, if they would have done it in the future and it's only showing Disney films, that makes sense because Disney sense. are owning everything That's to the it. point where in January they own Fox. Yeah. So all these movies won't be Fox. They'll be going to watch Lady and the Tramp, Hail to our Star Wars, Pixar movies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but there, there were two two other film names right up the end, but it was so out of focus and mm. and. I couldn't, I couldn't make it out, but I figured they were all going to be. Oh, absolutely! Fo- I figured they'd all be Fox. They're films. rerunning Die Hard or something. Yeah, you know? that's yeah. it. Well, and he does make the reference. He says he's got Die Hard on Blu-ray at home. That's right. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be funny too if Blu-ray was like a Fox product, you know. Uh, oh, I've I've got it on this particular branded product. Mm-hmm. Ads. In. I've got it on my Zoom. <laughs> uh, the next scene where you actually had the uh, the triplets, the clones, whatever, they're speaking to um, seemingly like a boss of theirs or something, an older mm. black guy. I didn't quite catch his name, but he he said that part of what they're doing is to rebuild the Hellfire Club. Mm-hmm. Now, you said last week, or I think two weeks ago, when you thought that maybe Esme, because of her name, it was so specific that it wasn't a coincidence, um, was going to be part of this... Um, what even, how would I even describe them? Sorry, you the, the, the three um, girls or the five of them, the clones. How do, um, oh, Sisters? Sisters, yeah. You thought yeah. you thought it was going to be a case of these sisters. She was going to be one of however yeah, many. Yeah, one of three, one of five yeah. is normally the way they're portrayed. And that she has ties to the Hellfire Club. And, and they had mentioned a few episodes ago, I know I was losing my mind because they were talking about Trask Industries. They had Sentinel Services. Mm. They mentioned the X-Men, the Brotherhood, and the Hellfire Club all in like one episode. But the Hellfire Club was referenced as being part of the time when Fenris was around. It was like, you know, or not maybe not that long ago, but it was a yeah. while ago. So the Hellfire Club is quite a large group. And then the leaders of the... Um, the uh, Hellfire Club are the inner circle yeah. who were portrayed by Kevin Bacon and all that lot in X-Men First Class. Yeah. Obviously having an Emma Frost there who is the girl's mother mm-hmm. or clone mother, basically. That's right, yeah. Um. So, yeah, so yeah, they're trying to rebuild um, the Hellfire Club. A lot of time they refer to them as chess pieces. Very much like, you know, in DC when they have um, Checkmate or whatever it is, that, that group. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very similar to this. There's um, a Black Queen, a White Queen, a Rook. All that kind of stuff. That's how the inner circle kind of refers to yeah, their, okay. their hierarchy. Yeah. So um, if you if you go back and watch um, uh, the original uh, X Men cartoon from the nineties, when there's the Dark Phoenix saga and they um, they trick the Dark Phoenix into becoming part of the Hellfire Club, mm. there's her and there's Celine. Celine being the Black Queen, and then I think they end up wanting to get Jean Grey as the Red Queen, maybe. So sometimes they'll they'll swap out white for red as well and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, this particular character though, that, um, that the girls were talking to didn't seem familiar, okay. like being able to turn stuff in. I don't know whether it was, he was turning stuff into diamonds or whether he was just super strong and he was compressing that little bit of carbon or coal or whatever into a diamond. Yeah. But then the diamond was like perfectly cut. It was like princess cut, you know, kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, it doesn't, he doesn't seem familiar and the name they gave him didn't seem familiar and they mm. didn't really seem to give him a lot of gravitas. So I mm. don't know how long he'll stay around for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the beauty of the Hellfire Club is, yeah, you can have a lot of a lot of members, but it's the inner circle, other other leaders, you know, yeah. the ones that you've got to worry about. What I really loved about this, this episode, it was actually the way that it kicked off post those two scenes where we had the parallel funerals. Oh, that broke my heart. It was a good scene, right? Like that just, heart. you're going from a, a, a funeral of Dreamer to, um, to the agent, I, I don't remember the agent's name, but Turner's little right-hand man. Mm. Oh, I can barely remember Turner's name yeah. half the time. I'm not going to remember his offsider. But, well, you know, I'm getting pissed off at him and starting to get into your camp where I'm pissed off at Turner because he was using his eulogy to get really political. I and I'm was like, theory- he turned that man's funeral into propaganda yeah. where he basically called mutants Satan. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, aside from the fact that I'm not a religious person by any means and that's ridiculous. Oh my God. Yeah, the- yeah. You're saying these people who you don't even know are basically the spawn of Satan yeah. because they're di- you're a black man living in Middle America, <laughs> and you're saying that these mutants are spawns of Satan 
because they were born different to you. Yeah. Mate, <laughs> take a look at yourself. I believe that that calls for a bitch, please. Yeah, I, I was. I, like... I, I thought it was going to be a really bitch, but it's a bitch, please. <laughs> <laughs> I and and also to the I guess the the standard uh, and the expense of the funeral like that the agent's funeral like everyone's there dressed in really nice black funeral clothes probably all fresh clothing right there this beautiful graveyard that's probably only for for you know government agents and officials um you know they get draped with the American flag gets folded up given to uh given to his his widow they probably fired off the rifles yeah, all that kind of shit twenty one gun salute or something yep. like that then you cross over to Dreamer's funeral and they've just found somewhere out in the forest where they're not going to be seen they dig her a sh- you know like a shallow grave essentially they probably don't even put a great you know, um, you well, know no, it was it felt like it was just like a table it was like an old like garden table or yeah. something like that because they didn't even have a body that would have stayed at trash yeah that's true yeah, that, yeah, yeah actually that probably would have been destroyed with the explosion when um yeah. when the twins took down that building yeah and it was just it was almost like a little um like a little monolith or something like that to just place place something down yeah. just to kind of honor her and and I, I really like the the play and it's like well no matter what side you're on we both have customs mm-hmm. you know we have customs to to honor our dead yeah um yeah that was really nice just except for yeah when turda turned it into that propaganda speech yes yeah. so like, so not angry. the place and i get that everyone's angry here but that's probably why you shouldn't be saying what you're saying mm. and even to go back to what you know you were saying before about the um the movie prologue scene that you know you you don't know what she's capable of or what any of these mutants are capable of like the greatest indication for the humans and the anti-mutant uh, humans should be is um, that these mutants aren't uh, dangerous or not all of them should be the fact that very few of them are actually utilizing their powers to attack humans or mm. to uh, you know go into a life of crime like so many of them can do wonderfully amazing dangerous things they're not using them for those purposes right you know some of them are and sure then and then there's just as many mutants who don't have like weaponizable powers yeah there's a great scene from the original x-men comic where the um the friends of humanity are kind of like out on the streets riding sort of tracking down mutants and there's this one little furry guy and he's just like don't you know they break into his home and pull him out and he's like I don't have any powers. I just look different. He's yeah, just yeah, got yeah. a bit of... He's, he looks like Robert Williams. He's just covered in fur, yeah, you know? Right. Like, or yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just covered in fur. And it's just like... He's like, I don't have any powers. I just look different. Yeah. That's, and there's so many mutants out there that are like that. Yeah. They just, you know, they, they they can't become an X-Man or anything like that. I mean, look, at there's that one kid that they're training um, uh, that Polaris was training a couple of weeks ago. And it's like, he, he can he can levitate water. Mm. Like that that's it. So like what he can throw a bucket of water in your face. Yeah, yeah. Whoop de do. Yeah. Or Wes from you know who who we actually get back in this episode. Yeah. We get we get to see him again. He can't go out on. He, can you imagine him in like the Statue of Liberty scene from the first X Men film? Like, yeah. what, what's he gonna do there? Yeah, yeah you yeah. know. So it's they just kind of use use what they've got. Yeah, and I I mean I I use that argument that they're not all dangerous. So why are you punishing them all for the acts of a few? And if you if you align that with like you know gun control or something, it's like well no, not everyone that owns a gun is out there doing stupid shit with it. Mm. But a gun doesn't have rights. The mutants, okay, they're not technically human, and people are worried about it in this show human rights versus mutant rights and all that. But they are a conscious being, and a gun yeah. isn't. And unfortunately, so and much a gun of, only has one purpose. Yeah, yeah, that's it, true. It has a, you know, its only purpose is to is to cause harm. Yeah, and 
so much of this world, unfortunately, but sometimes it's for the best, I guess, we do actually have to adhere to the lowest common denominator of humans mm. out there. You know, like I think back to a, a Will Anderson, a Australian comedian, uh, of course, a show... Or I think actually a book that he wrote, and I've, I've got it at home, and it's called uh, Survival of the Dumbest, I want to say. Mm. And he's saying that we're living longer and that we've got an overpopulation now because dumb people are not only living longer, but they're breeding more dumb yeah. people. Survival of the fittest is no longer a thing. No, and he said, why is it that you have to have a sticker on a hairdryer that says don't use it in the bathtub? Why do you need to put on a tag of a T-shirt, do not iron while wearing shirt? Yeah. You know? Like, what? Well, <laughs> you know, and I've been wearing a shirt before going, geez, it'd be so much easier if I could design it while it's on. But I'm not a <laughs> an idiot. Right. Right? Why do we have to have these warnings when it's just like, oh, electricity Ooh. and water don't mix or, you know, extreme heat and my precious human skin, those sort of things. Like, why are we adhering to these people? Well, unfortunately, we have to. Jim Jeffrey said a little bit more vulgar. Also, when talking about gun control, he said he would be a fantastic driver when he is on drugs or on alcohol. But unfortunately, some people do it. Some people cause harm or whatever. He said, unfortunately, the acts of a few have consequences for the many. Yeah. And guns, for me, that works that way. Unfortunately, some people are doing some dumb shit and there has to be restrictions because of that. Mutants. I feel like it should be the opposite. Instead, it seems to be the same thing in these shows where it's like, ah, two mutants are bad. Let's punish them all because we're afraid of them. There is that great line from the very first X-Men where it's like, humans are afraid of what they don't understand. Yeah. Well, go back and watch um, that opening scene from um, the first X-Men film, Mm. like the the Senate scene with Jean Grey. She's talking about um, the mutant registration program. Now, at its core, the mutant registration program is a good thing. It's mutants in the same way, and they they reference it. You need a license to drive. You need a license to buy a gun. If there was a database that just referenced um, mutants, like who were mutants and what their powers were, if there were any like mutants doing bad things, it would be easier to try mm. and track them down because based on, on that particular ability. Yeah. But the problem with it is the shady stuff that was going on behind the scenes where those lists of the registered mutants were being, you know, shipped out to mutant hate groups and to scientists like Campbell and Trask mm. Industries who were using them in unethical ways, yep. you know? And it's like, that was the problem with yeah. the mutant registration program. Yeah. At its core, very much like in, in Civil War when um, when Captain America says, agendas change. Yeah. You know, and that's the problem. The mutant registration program at its core is actually a good thing, I think. Mm. But it's being used by people who have agendas and are... Uh, rotting it from the inside, and yeah. that's the problem. Because you think about a wonderful utopia in, in, in an X-Men world where that could almost be an employment database, the mutant right. registration, right? So like Storm, hey, there's there's these drought-ravaged countries or cities or towns or whatever. I mean, right here in Australia, we're dealing with a drought crisis almost, you know, every, all year, every year. Yeah. Oh well, hang on. We got a we got a we got a mutant who can manipulate the weather. Come and you yeah, know hey, let the rains down in Africa. Hand. Let it happen. You know or <laughs> why go be Africa? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I apologize. Great song, <laughs> Mike. Great song. Um, you know, th- th- there could be people that's like, well, there are there are people employed to do this, or there are people that that's their mutant power is to do this sort of shit without lifting a finger, or mm. or to do more of it in a quicker t- or whatever. You could use that as going, hey, we need to employ you for your special skills. Like anyone out there, you've got a yeah. certain set of skills, like Liam Neeson. You yeah. are then hired for the job that needs those particular skills. Yeah, and that's all mutants want. They want to be accepted for their 
their abilities and what makes them different. Mm. And they want to be they want to be able to use their their abilities to help. Yeah. For the most part, you know, yeah. they, they just want to be accepted. Even Magneto and stuff like that, he goes about it a different way. But it's like he just wants acceptance. Yep. He doesn't necessarily, you know, depending on how he's feeling, he doesn't necessarily want to exterminate the mm. human mm. race. It's just they deserve a, a place to to be themselves, to live on Earth peacefully and be themselves and you know use their abilities yeah so it's like imagine the kind of work dreamer could do uh with like people with like post-traumatic stress yep um you know young children that have been abused and mm. things like when she she does that she, yep. she takes that memory away little girl yeah. it's like imagine how how helpful that could be to yeah. you know a imagine large portion of people with mental health problems police they uh they arrest a suspect interrogations aren't doing anything interviews aren't doing anything they wheel in charles xavier doesn't even say anything he's like yeah, body's located here. He killed three people. Yeah, wheel out. It's like, okay, in a court of law, you know, blah, blah, blah. But still, like, that's helpful because you can at least say, you know, someone's kidnapped somebody. You just walk in, look at the bloke, read his mind, get out of there. Like, all these powers could be applied in such a wonderful way, but unfortunately, mm. people are targeting them because they're scared of them. And it's just... Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was sitting there about five minutes ago thinking, wow, we haven't even really talked about... The episode, and we do this almost every week, talking about The Gifted, where we don't necessarily speak about the episode. We just speak about a, a larger conversation that was brought up because of something yeah. in the story. And that's, and that's actually writing, what I love about the show. That's the kind of writing I really respond to, <laughs> yeah. is the kind of stuff. And I know I bang on a lot, but Star Trek is great for that. It just raises a social issue. Yeah. So it's And just it doesn't come down too hard one way or the other. It kind of just presents you with both sides of it. And then you kind of just have to deal with that internally. So I love that we can come in here and have a conversation about it. Yeah. Once we get to the Orville, there's a great episode of the Orville where there's a, there's a race of aliens and they're all men. The entire species is male Yeah. and they give birth to um, a female and they go, okay, well she needs to, occasionally it happens. It, you know, mm. there's a bit of a mutation and it happens. That baby will need to have a uh, gender reassignment surgery. So yeah, well. males. And I'm just like, Oh my God, that's so horrible. And most of the crew are like so horrible. And then one of the aliens brings up the point. It's like, okay, well, you know, if one of your children was built, uh, born with a cleft palate, would you not fix that as early as possible to improve their, their lifestyle? And it's like, yeah, well, of course you would. Mm. And it's like in that culture, in that alien yeah. culture, being born with female organs is as much of a detriment as being born with a cleft palate. Yeah. And it really made me stop and think yeah. like from, from their point of view, like, obviously, if it happened here, you'd never do that. If mm. a child's born, that's it. You know, mm. you, their choice later on if they want to sort of change genders. But it really actually stopped and made me think about how I feel about that that whole situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, that's what I love about these kind of shows. It just really kind of, not not so much educates, but enlightens. It just kind of broadens your mind. You just, you know, you leave feeling woke as f- <laughs> and well, that's where I love when you get, you know, um, the haters out there that see stuff like that and the, the messages within these stories and these shows or, or movies or even actors, you know, taking their own opinion, you know, out publicly and they're like, keep politics out of entertainment. And I'm like, mother if if the, the best entertainment is riddled with politics right. and it's done in so, it's the best because it's done so well, you don't even know it's there. Yeah, it's all about just presenting ideas and thoughts to make people think. Yeah, I'm, I'm down for when... I don't want people to push their their own agenda too much about something, mm. you know, about a particular issue that has, you know, pros and cons on both sides. But it's like, just present the issue and just maybe those people that are too radically one way about something, 
just make them stop and think about the other half. Because yeah. that's all it is. It's just about understanding. If you if you have a difference of opinion with someone, put yourself in their shoes. Think about it from their point of view and where they're coming from, you know? And yeah. meet them halfway. Yeah. You know? No, this is, what, are the, what do they say? What's the um, psychologists use it a lot? It's like there's... Um, there's your version of the truth, there's my version of the truth, and there's what actually happens. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. You know, so you've got to have that, you know, that back and forth. No one's... God, the world would be so boring if we all agreed about everything. Oh, yeah. Me. Like, how boring would that be? So, it's, but it's just about understanding, you know? Yeah. I, lo- I love that. That's show. you and me, mate, when we, you know, bring up DCTV, you know? Like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally understanding. Do you know who I don't understand? Is the f***ing struck appearance in this episode. Yeah. Like, running away. You douches. You are oh, yeah. Like, we're packing up. We're leaving. We're leaving. It's like, um, your children have just been experimented on by Dr. Campbell. He's got something brewing mm. that's going to affect everyone in the area, and you're just going to leave yeah. now that he's got some special thing that he's going to, you know, bastardize what your children can do naturally. Yeah. And you're just going to peace out and leave them to deal with it. It's like, oh, no, we can help people down in Mexico. Mate. <laughs> oh, I was so... Like, I'm all, I understand they're playing that whole, you know, um, protecting their, their children and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's like... I don't know. There's, maybe it's because obviously we know the rest of like, we know Polaris and Eclipse and Thunderbird and, and Blink and all that kind of stuff. It's like, we're getting to know these people. It's like, I'd want to be around them if I was in that situation. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, want to yeah. go to the other place where Wes is and have Wes protecting yeah. me. <laughs> F- that. Oh, mate, he can block a staircase like nobody's business. <laughs> or a few other quick things before we, uh, before we do wrap up. We have been uh, talking a while because it's another awesome episode. Um, mm. Andy's wolf drawing. He was just sketching at one point, and they showed the drawing, and it was this mm. like really detailed, beautiful picture of a wolf. I hate when they do that in TV shows, where suddenly actors can all just like draw really, really well. Well, <laughs> well there's that. That was almost too specific again to be a coincidence. Is that anything to you? The 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 the, the wolf drawing is that just Fenris? Just Fen- Fenris, straight yeah, up Fenris. Fenris it's not like anything. Yeah. Okay, cool. No, I just I nothing... thought, is it just as obvious? Is that like it's in his in his blood almost that it's just like you know that's it? I don't know that. Of all things he could have drawn, but okay, yeah, that's I don't good. Think they, they don't like turn into a wolf or anything like that. I think it's just he just had the whole Fenris wolf thing on his mind. Is mm. all it was. I um I did find a nice little uh little bonus thing for you. Remember we spoke about maybe it was the first or second episode about the high school, the the name of the high school. And yeah, how it yeah, was yeah. Connect, technically connected to Wolverine and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I looked at I had to look it up for you because there was that really close shot when they go and see Wes at that other station. Uh, the Fairburn Vocational Institute. Mm. Now, I'd never heard of that. I was like, is that another like Xavier School for the Gifted? Yeah. Because um, uh, Emma Frost does have her own like Xavier-style school. That's in, right, like, yeah. England and all that kind of stuff. So I had to look it up. It was a deep cut, but Fairburn Boys School is actually one of the many boarding schools that Warren Worthington, a.k.a. Angel, yeah. went to as a young child. Ah, cool. So I was like, that's cool. So that's they haven't made it a whole like a boys' school, like a shut down boys' school. They've yeah. made a vocational institute. But Fairburn, at one point, Angel was there as a as a young man. So that's like, cool. That's a nice little touch. I yeah, like nice that. detail. I love that shit. Yeah. Um. Okay. It's a detail. It's not tiny, but it. They didn't even completely say the words, but it was just enough to of a tease to me to get really excited but um <laughs> one of the triplets i can't even remember which one i don't even know whether oh, we're yeah. supposed at to know at this point you just call them the frosts or the, the frost or the, whatever the, 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 co- the cuckoos cuckoos that's i think that's the word i'm looking for yeah one mm. of the cuckoos she references polaris's father yeah she did and i just i'm like <gasps> now i didn't expect her to say like lencher or magneto or anything like that but it was mm. just enough that 
you know, I mean, they haven't specifically said anything like that. I think if we would have gotten to this point of the series and you hadn't have told me, I would never have known what they were talking about. Mm. I would have I would have probably come into this chat going, Matty, um, is Polaris's father an important mutant or something? <laughs> and you would have like, <laughs> nah, sit pretty, down, I've got some splaining to do to pretty you. Pretty tertiary character, he's not really that important. Yeah, which, you know, I don't. we're, we're not going <clears> to, <throat> surely we're not going to get him in, no, in any way, can't. shape or form, but... The idea—it's like, well, then why even, why even tease him? Why not just have the other people in the in in the audience think he's just a—he's he's not even a nobody, but not even worth mentioning. Like the fact that they've referenced him is purely just, I yeah. guess, some kind of fan service, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think they've 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 covered their bases very well in that they've kind of said the the X Men and the Brotherhood are kind of gone. Mm. They just they disappeared. We don't know what's happened to them. Yeah. So Magneto, I think, can be covered underneath that. The flip side to that is um, with your DC chats with Supergirl. It's like we were very early on. I was like, "Oh, they can't have Superman." I mean, what's what's mm, the point? Yeah. And then they did. Yeah. And it's and that I think was a double. It's like you kind of have to have Superman. But then, as much as I love uh, Tyler Hoechlin, I think yeah. yeah, I love him from back in Teen Wolf and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, he's a little bit lackluster as a Superman. Yeah, I guess because we're only seeing Superman in a movie format mm. aside from you know Dean Kane back in the day and that was you know sort of pretty campy so yeah yeah it's one of those things it's like you want to see Magneto but you don't want to see Magneto yeah, and yeah, I yeah. think that's the way to play it is the want don't give the audience what they want mm. just as you like to say tickle their ass with a feather <laughs> um but yeah I think I think to try and have an actual Magneto come in would be yeah would be a bit of a disservice I think um, my thing that I noticed with Polaris and I thought was a really, really nice touch is they doubled down on the her being different thing, revealing that she's got bipolar. Yeah. And what I really loved about it is that she's aware of it, she's functional, and it doesn't define her. Yeah. It doesn't control her. It's not controlling her decisions. She's not having these manic episodes. And mm. when she's when she's emotional or she's getting fired up about something or, or passionate, they're not just kind of like just dismissing it as a bipolar thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that's really great because that's really what the whole mutant thing is about. Yeah. It's about being different, having these different, sort of being different from other people. Mm. And having it under control and that's you know, that's what Professor Xavier is all about it's like having your power and being in control not letting it control you yeah. you controlling it so I love the fact that on top of the metaphor of mutant powers she's bipolar mm. I love it yeah. I thought that was really really clever to do because uh, you know you look at characters like um, you know Legion in the, the Legion TV mm. show and that kind of stuff he's got mental problems like mental disorders and stuff yeah. like that but it's it really defines who he is and takes over a lot of the plot. Yeah. And then how many bloody evil supervillains are out there who have multiple personalities yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah. It's not like Polaris is evil because she's bipolar. She's just bipolar. It's just part of the tapestry that that is her. Mm. And that's what I love. We're all like that. We all don't just fit into that one box. Mm. So yeah, I, I I really like that. We've only got, well, we've got two episodes left, but we have decided, I think, since last week, or maybe it was even in last week's podcast, I can't remember, but uh, next week's Marvel TV will be about one episode of S.H.I.E.L.D., but then we're going to double up our gifted episodes, episodes 12 and 13, to wrap the series, because um, you have said that depending on how you look at it online and in the DVD release... Yeah, I was, I've just got myself the DVDs, yeah. and it does have at the end, it has episode 12, Extraction, and episode 13, uh, Crossroads. It actually has it under one title. It actually has, you know, uh, Extraction slash 
um, crossroads yeah, cool. as one thing to watch. But then um, about, because I've already gone ahead and watched it because I can't <laughs> not, 40 minutes in, there's almost like an act break. Yeah, right. And then you see actually credits over the screen oh, for right. like the second half. So I think, yeah, you can do it. Mm. You can do it either way, but it's very much, I don't want to give anything away for you, but it's very much um, uh, part two take like takes place an eighth of a second after the end of part one. Yeah, so you cool. can watch it all. It's like right in the middle of the action. So you can just watch it all as, as one whole And thing. I think that's why I want to do it as one episode because I know that I don't want to have to watch it come in the next day. Mate, maybe. There's, there's no way you're stopping no, in the middle. That's no the thing. Way. I'm, I'm going to have to watch it and, uh, and then we can crack straight into uh, season two, which is kicking off on Foxtel as well. So it's all happening. Boom. No rest for the gifted. And then we get to a stage where... We're back to one episode a week because we'll be we'll we'll have caught up and it'll be Whew. absolutely painful. So Caramba. check Cup, out. Yeah, sorry. A couple of things before we go. Um, I just because I just want to make note of them just for next week and everything. I'm not sure I'm down for those Wonder Twins shackle things that the like the mutants. Oh combining. yeah, it's like hey, you combine with you know, it's like hey, here's Wolverine and Storm. Yeah, you know, you're gonna have healing lightning powers. I'm not sure I'm about that. Mm. Um, but because how, how 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 advanced like they can put a collar on someone. Yep renders your mutant powers irrelevant wear these handcuffs it'll multiply your powers with that person yeah and it's like and he made a comment about uh, it mixes their blood together yeah and it's like well Andy and Lauren don't mix their blood yes they share blood because they're brother and sister but I was like yeah I don't know and they just look cumbersome and it's like really it's like imagine if you just like you know that's almost like a three legged race type thing it's like you're not you're not going to be good in a combat situation yeah, if you're shackled to someone like that. But yeah, I'm not about it. <laughs> um, of course, the Cuckoos have those fucking Kardashian-style Mercedes four-wheel drives because what else are they going to drive? <laughs> That's just... The, you know how like I always like in TV shows, it's like when a, a character matches their car. Like, yeah, ju- yeah. I lo- of course, the fucking Cuckoos have a Kardashian car. <laughs> of course they do. Um, and then right at the very, very end, when the Cuckoos do go back to um, Diamond Guy... Uh, he mentions the inner circle wants the Struckers, mm. so they. I reckon that that's Andy and Laura. They want them back in the in the inner circle. So I think that'll be something to keep an eye out for. That'll be um. They'll be interesting to see how that goes. Kill. Mm, we're starting to see what um what the inner circle want to do. Sweet. Mm. Our two part season finale coming up in our next episode. I'm excited. Of Marvel TV, you can uh, check out all of our old podcasts, uh, DC or Marvel, or our movie reviews, uh, trailer breakdowns, and just news in general. Uh, hit up the uh, podcast, get into geek, follow us, share, like, subscribe, all that sort of gear on the social pages, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to uh, hit me up, Mitch underscore Lewis on Twitter and Instagram. Matty. At High Pitch Matty. We'll be back next episode to talk more Marvel TV, wrapping up Season 1 of The Gifted. We're finally here. You! Get into Geek.